church. But I know. And he stays up. He like plays music and reads and stuff. He's a night person. And so I think he, he stays up so late that getting up in the morning is hard. And then he usually doesn't hear the alarm. You know what time I got there? Like 2, 3? 3.30. You know what time I got up? Yeah. 5 o'clock. Wow. You can do that. Oh, I know. No, I know. It just keeps missing it. I don't know what's going on. So. Good morning, everyone. Welcome those joining online. I think we made it back on Facebook uh, today. There was an issue last week, so welcome. And of course, you can always see uh, the live stream at the at the website too. And uh, hey, Nicole, you're right by there. Would you mind turning off those lights? Not that one, the lower section. Amen. Well, it's good to be together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to a time of worship. We're here in the house of the Lord to celebrate who God is, and that's what we want to do this morning. And so let's uh, lift our hearts and our voices in prayer, invite him in and, and worship him this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for bringing us together today. We thank you for the body of Christ here at the Journey Church, we thank you for the body of Christ that's gathering this morning and today throughout the world. Father, um, we thank you that we are part of this amazing host because of the blood and of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. God, uh, this morning we want to give to you what you deserve, Lord, our, our thoughts, our focus, our time. Um, we want to prepare our hearts to you, to, to worship you, to tell you of all the things um, that we're grateful for, to recount them to you, Lord. And so help us to do that this morning. Lord, um, help us to see um, the blessings that you give us, Lord, even in the midst of difficulties that we might be having or sadness or, or hard things, Lord. Help us to see your face and your goodness, God. Um, Lord, I pray that you administer to each of us as only you can to draw us close to you, to help our feet to be uh, on that solid rock this morning. Lord, pray that you would uh, meet us right where we're at, comfort anyone who needs comfort. We pray for healing, Lord, this morning for those uh, with physical um, ailments, God, b battling big things and battling little things. Lord, we pray that you would meet uh, people in our in their emotions father if they're grieving or sad or hopeless or whatever it is lord only you can meet us each father not just here in this room even not just uh, online uh, as as people are joining from home but god meet the congregation who's um just not even able to do either uh, whether they, they just can't or they won't 
Lord, encourage us all. Meet with us, Lord, right where we're at this morning. Father, we want to bring you that worship for who you are. Lord, we celebrate you, Father. Even as we sing some of these songs this morning, we declare them by faith. Lord, by faith that you will, um, you are the one who, who sets the prisoners free, God. That you hold the victory, God. So, Lord, we praise you and give you thanks as we give this time of worship. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we worship this morning. And we're going to, you know, if you, you've got your, your ten-string instruments at the end of your arms, so we'll, we'll clap this morning and we'll worship and sing to him. Amen. the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, our God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross. He rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Their God is surely in this place. 
and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. 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 Hallelujah. the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along and put me back together Every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountains is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn mourning to dancing. 
ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn mourning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the only one who can oh there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing better than you there's nothing nothing is better than you oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is better than you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the only one who can you're the only have a, a grave that needs to be turned into garden? Do you, need to, do you have a sea in front of you that needs to be turned into a highway? Father, we just pray and we come to you right now, Lord, and we trust you, God, that you can change our graves into gardens. God, you can make a highway through the thing that seems to be blocking us from everything. Father, we thank you. Lord, I pray that even right now you're doing miracles in the lives of all of those in this room, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we build our faith, we think of all the things, God, that all the stories that we've heard, all the scriptures, Lord, of how you've been faithful, Lord Jesus.
this morning and make that your prayer and your conversation. Do you want to run to the Father? But you might be in a situation this morning that you would say, well, the truth is I don't know if I want to run to Him. Maybe you might say, I feel too guilty. 
just living the, my life the way I want to right now. You can be honest with him and even tell him those things. Maybe you could dig deep and say, I don't want to, but I want to want to. Run to him. Come to him. Ask for that healing you need. That forgiveness you need. says that all who come to you, you will not turn away. You will not despise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to just encourage somebody this morning with something like the best place to be is running to the Father. Greet them, love them, and then come back and sit down and we'll continue on. Amen. Good morning, Journey Church. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> well, hey, if you're joining us for the first time, we would love to get connected with you. One way you can do that is by filling out the connection cards that are in the pockets of the seats. Or if you have a prayer request, 
Um, you can fill out a prayer card, and you don't have to be new to fill out the prayer card. Um, anybody is able to do that. And you can put those in the tithe and offering boxes that are located in the back of the room here or as the gentlemen come down for our tithes and offerings. A um, couple quick announcements for you guys. One is that we are going to have a leaders meeting tomorrow after church. I know it is Super Bowl Sunday. My chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Woo! Nobody? No? All right. Well, <laughs> just kidding. Why am I so sorry? Next Sunday. Thank you all for catching that. Um, so my chiefs are in the Super Bowl next Sunday. Woo! All right. That was a little bit better. Thank you. <laughs> my chiefs. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to have a meeting right after service. So we want to continue planning some of this stuff ahead and then and speaking of planning, we have our annual church business meeting. That is the last Sunday in February. And so if you guys could stick around for that, we'll have lunch. We'll feed you. We'll talk about what happened last year and what we have to come for the year in this year. Uh, so, again, that's the last Sunday. I believe that's February 26th is the uh, annual church business meeting. So with that, we're just going to continue our time of worship by receiving our tithes and our offering. And I had something totally different I was going to share with you, but I felt the Lord was impressing this during that last worship song of, you know, even in our tithes and our offerings, that can be an act of surrender. And I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of things I need to surrender to the Lord. Um, I am really good about picking things up and trying to do it all on my own. And the Lord is telling me I need to drop some of those things. And whether that's well, yeah, drop, drop your tithe in the box. Um, <laughs> but that we can't do it on our own, or we're just going to keep, the wheels are just going to keep spinning. And I can tell you already, I'm exhausted because I keep trying to do this thing called life all on my own sometimes, forgetting that God wants to take the wheel. It's just like that song, Jesus, take the wheel. And he'll do it if we surrender to him. And so just as in our tithes and our offerings or in service, in any way that we have with our relationship with the Lord. We want to surrender all to him, right? Um, and so I just encourage us to do that. I know it's mainly something the Lord's been speaking to my heart, so thank you for bearing with me as I share that with all of you. So, And if you see me trying to pick those things back up, just walk up to me and be like, get that out of your hands, <laughs> and I'll take it. It'll be good. Yeah, just slap it down. <laughs> all right, well, let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings. Father, you are so good. We thank you that you are able and willing to pick up those things that maybe we're carrying around with us and thinking that we can handle on our own, but yet you want to take care of us. You want to help us through this thing called life. God, just as, as we say here, we're taking one step closer to you. God, help us in each one of those steps to trust you, whether that's with our finances and our tithes and our offerings, whether it's relationships that we have with family or friends. God, whether it's with our our, our work life or school or whatever the things are that we're going through, God, help us to surrender all to you. God, and to know that we can trust you in everything and anything, Lord. We love you so much, and we give you all the praise. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I just love having Denise sitting so close. She just, her smile just always encourages me. Awesome. Hey, man. Hey, I get a good look at you this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll get a good look at those at home. Man, that donut looks really good you're eating. <laughs> That'd be great if somebody's sitting there with a donut and they would just freak out, wouldn't they? Anyway, hey, we are uh, continuing our journey. We're in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're making some headway through this. I hope it's been uh, good for you. Um, I have... Uh, the study time that I have has just been amazing in this book. Um, you know, sometimes I get, you know, two or three messages a week uh, from the chapter and uh, kind of have to either merge them together and preach one or, or just preach one and leave the other two and and because uh, there can be so much. Chapter 9 is a fun, interesting chapter and you know, we're going to have to probably uh, buckle our seatbelts a little bit this morning um, for chapter 9 because of the content in it, it's actually a very challenging passage, a very challenging um, chapter is, as we're going on. Let's, let's uh, pray and then we'll continue. Father, as we go into the Word this morning, pray a blessing upon uh, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the Word, that every Word of God is breathed by you, God, and is useful for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. Lord, I pray that you would thoroughly equip us, God. Help us to understand your Word. Help us to grow as believers, Lord. Help us to be um, world changers, God, not just social reformers, Lord, but true um, reformers who help people come to Christ and, and hear that good news. Lord, I pray that our lives would reflect your love, your grace, your mercy to us. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us go through this even chapter as it is going to challenge us if we have ears to hear. So help us, God, to hear what you have and, uh, and open up our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. With a prayer like that, some of you already want to leave. You're like, no, I'm out of here. I can tell where this is going, and I don't want to be a part of this. Um, because sometimes the Word comes, and it challenges us, and we don't know what to do with it. Uh, honestly, sometimes when the Word comes to challenge us, and we don't know what to do with it, one of the things we like to do is to try to make it say something else. Or, 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 or we try to make it fit into, uh, into our little bubble, and we don't want to do that. We want to say, Lord, what are you speaking to us in this? As we go into chapter 9, we're still uh, kind of talking about chapter 8. And so, so I want us to think about that a little bit as we, as we go in and we read here. Uh, remember, chapter uh, 8 was talking about food offered to idols. And so we're really kind of picking up the theme of whether or not you should eat that food offered to an idol, he's picking it up. Remember when the Bible was written originally, originally there weren't chapter breaks. Um, it was obviously not written in English either, and so it was written in, in Hebrew or in Aramaic or in Greek. 
And as we came together with, with these words at different times through history, they said, let's help people find, uh, be able to navigate the Bible. So they, men came up with chapter breaks, and sometimes they're very helpful, and sometimes they break the flow. So this is one of those moments that because there's a chapter break at 9, we might disconnect it from 8, but we can't. I, I believe that, that 9 is talking about a continuation of 8, so let's go with that thinking. Chapter 8, Paul's talking about um, whether or not you have the right to eat meat sacrificed to an idol. He says, you're free. You're free. We've already heard some of these other things in the previous chapters that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so Paul's been helping us to understand that. He Remember, he also wrote the book of Galatians. You really, I would encourage you to read Galatians this week um, because the book of Galatians is about our freedom in Christ. So Paul is coming from a standpoint that we are free in Christ. We're not under the law anymore. We're not under bondage. We walk in freedom because of Christ who set us free from the law of sin and death, but he also freed us from legalism. He freed us from the law, but not from the law of Christ, as Paul is going to say here. So in chapter 8 in Corinthians, he, he was talking about, uh, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble, even though I'm free. I'm free. You're free. You're free. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. We talked about different things that we could apply that to last week in our lives, um, understanding that there is freedom in Christ to do things that aren't explicitly told not to do. Remember, that was one of the litmus tests. We need to remember that if the Bible says don't do it, you don't do it. We don't get to say, well, I have freedom to do it when the Bible says that we don't, but there's other things that we have questions about. So then Paul starts this narrative, and he starts with him saying, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? And then, and then he goes on, and we're going we're gonna to read these. So he's, he's kind of t picking on this same thought up. He's like, Listen, you've, we're talking about your freedom. Well, what about me? I'm, I'm free. Uh, am I not free? Am I not apostle? And we're going to say, where are you going with this, Paul? As we go in, we're going to talk a little bit about our freedom in Christ um, and our rights in Christ. We talked a little bit about that last week, how we love our rights, especially in, in America. We love our rights. We have so many rights afforded to us in this nation. We've grown accustomed to it, and, and you know, we, we like our rights. That's why we like to tell people, you can't do that to me. I have rights. And we do this in, in, in our relationships. We do this when it comes to the law. And so this morning, I want to draw some pictures here as we kind of do a, a multi-part message this morning um, about our rights and our freedom. And Warren Wearsby said this. This is going to come up a little bit as we go on. He says, I don't have the right to give up my freedom. Interesting, isn't it? I don't have the right to give up my freedom, but I have the freedom to give up my rights. See, we can't give up our freedom. Christ has made us free. You, you can't give up the right to that. He's, he's given it to you. That's one thing you can't do. But 
you do have the freedom to give up some of your rights. And this morning, that's what we're going to be uh, honing in on as we come to this. So last week we talked about how, we, how do we know that when our rights can be wrong. We're going to kind of continue with that. How do we know when something that we might have the right to do uh, is, is wrong for us to do? And Paul's going to be talking about this. Verse 2, if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So he begins this whole discourse with saying, what about me? Am I free? Uh, am, am I not an apostle? So there's these questions whether Paul was really a truly an apostle or not by some, and apparently maybe in Corinth, perhaps the letter that was written to him, um, that, that we know that they wrote a letter to him as he's writing back, maybe address that. Um, we're, we don't exactly know why he's uh, fully about to defend his apostleship, but he says, um, if to others I'm not a possible, an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. One of the things an apostle would do would be to um, plant churches and to spread the gospel. And Paul started this work in Corinth, so he is definitely an apostle to them. Verse 3 says, this is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to, retain, uh, to refrain from working for a living? So Paul's um, even beginning to go onto this thing about don't we have the right? Can, could, could we get married? Could we bring our wives along with us? Apparently, some of the apostles were married. We know that Peter was, but, but uh, apparently some of the other apostles were, were married and they had wives, and then they would travel. Their wives would come along with them, and wherever they would go, the churches would support not just the apostle. They would also support the apostle's wife. They would take care of both of them. They'd feed them. They'd clothe them. They'd take care of them as they were preaching the gospel to them. And so Paul's going, well, don't we have the right to eat and, and to drink? You go, well, what do you mean? We, we, I believe that he's talking literally about, could I ask you for food? Can't you feed me? Don't I have the right? I'm, I'm apostle to you. I preach the gospel to you. Don't I have the right for you to feed me? Uh, and, and if I had a wife, wouldn't I have that right too? Because immediately he goes on, he says, is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Paul was a tent maker, and we see that in, in some of the places he went, he was working still for a living. A tent maker didn't just make tent, but they uh, would work with material. They would sew things, tarps and different things, um, you know, big, heavy canvas type of things. He would take a big needle and, and, and sew that. It must have been really difficult work if you've ever tried to sew something thick like canvas. It takes a lot of work. And he sat and he, and he worked to gain an income for himself. Barnabas did too, so that he was a, wasn't a burden on the church. Now, we, we do know, though, in, in some places that the churches were taking care of Paul. And we don't know yet why he's not being taken care of. We're like, goodness gracious, Paul, why, why aren't they doing this? You know, slap them into, into shape here. They need to be taking care of you. 
And so he goes on. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Paul's really good in here. He does a lot of examples um, to really make sure he's touching everyone. He talks about flocks, and he talks about herds, and he's uh, going to talk about an ox in a minute. And he brings in all these different examples to us to say, you know, soldiers, they don't serve at their own expense. Um, that's just not the way it goes. And then he, in verse 8, says, Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And then he goes on and he says, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. So this law comes out of Leviticus where, where it literally it says don't, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading. And, and they would often, uh, when they were beating down the, the grain to get the, the flour and the wheat, out of the wheat, they'd put it in these big circular vat areas and they would just let a, an ox march around that and just march on it until everything was all separated. And, and the law says don't muzzle that ox. Let the ox eat some, something while he's, he's working. And so, so Paul brings this up. He says, you think it was just for the ox? You think that's all that God cared about? He was trying to give us uh, an understanding that, that would apply to us in this day. And the word is good at all times for us. We always have to look for that interpretation and understanding. Um, and then in verse 11, it says, If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Now, sometimes we, 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 when we read this, we almost have to read between the lines to try to figure out why he's talking about this. We don't know. Were they questioning his apostleship? It sounds like it. Were they not volunteering to give him food? We don't know. Maybe. Um, we do know that Paul was definitely not receiving it, even if they were offering it. Maybe because he wasn't asking to be supported, they're going, well, you know, Paul's just a, a freebie guy. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not even an apostle. He's, he's, just, he's just this guy. He's just a volunteer. One of the things that happens in the church is, is people uh, that volunteer sometimes themselves don't feel very valuable. Well, I'm just a volunteer. Um, sometimes if there's a volunteer, the people in the church don't look at that volunteer as, as quite as, as much of with a high authority. If you had a volunteer pastor, you might have an opinion, well, yeah, he's just a volunteer guy. And you, and maybe not, but do, do you track? There's something that can happen. So I think it's possible that the Corinthians were just doing that. Like, well, Paul's just, just you know, I don't know, whatever. Paul's going, no, 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 I, I, I'm an apostle. And, I, and, I, and I've been giving you the word. I have these rights. And it sounds a little weird to us. And then uh, it, we're going to get there in just a minute. Am I not free? Am I not free starts in, in one. Church, you're free. We're free. We've been set free. We've been bought at a price. Because of the work of Christ, we're free, and He has lavished upon us 
rights upon rights upon rights. Because of him, we have the right to go to heaven. Because of Christ, we are set free. Now, uh, we're, we're set free from the law. The Bible says that, that we are no under the yoke of the, of the law either. Now, there are some people who do like rules, and, and they don't always like that freedom. Uh, they want to know more of, tell me exactly how to live and, and just give me the rules and I want to do it. But we've actually been set free. The Word gives us a lot of uh, guidelines and, and tells us how to live. Um, Paul's now beginning to say, I have a right. I have a right. And, and continue on in verse 12. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So we begin to see where Paul's coming from. Don't I have a right to do all these things? Nevertheless, we have not taken that right. We've never asked to be supported, and he tells us why. We endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Paul doesn't want to be a hindrance. He doesn't want to put an obstacle in the way. He, he, he says nobody should put up a stop sign in front of the gospel of Jesus. Nobody should put a stop sign in front of the gospel of Jesus. And so Paul is, is kind of rebuking and challenging the Corinthians, saying, listen, I have these right, but I have not used them for your sake. I don't want to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Christ bought our freedom. He gave us rights. He wants us to give to others and serve Him out of that freedom that He's given us. So good beginning places this morning is to begin to think about all that Christ has given us. As we go in, thinking about our rights and thinking about this section is, Lord, look at all of what you've given me. You've blessed me so much. But there's times in life that we should give up the rights that we've been given for a brother or a sister. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, I, I'm, I'm not going to cash in on that right. It's, it's, I think it's going to be a hindrance in the gospel. So I'm not going to demand my rights. We talked a little bit about that last week with yield signs. And, and when there's un unwritten yield signs, we don't demand our rights. And for the sake of a brother or a sister... So how do we know when? How do we know what is a good time that we should give up a right for a brother or a sister? And, and that's what Paul is talking to us about. He, he was giving up his right. So how do we know? When are rights wrong? When are rights wrong? I think Paul says it in, in 12. Rights, our rights, demanding our rights are wrong if it hinders the gospel. 
We endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. This is, he's basically saying, we put up with anything. Remember at the beginning I said, we prayed, Lord, help us. Help us. Because this message right here begins to get challenging. We need to put up with anything. Paul says we put up with anything as to not hinder the gospel. And we can begin to get challenged. Well, wait a second. Don't, what about my rights? You know, if, if the heater, heat wasn't on this morning, We'd be grumbling and complaining. Man, it's cold. I don't want to go there if they're not going to turn on the heat. I mean, I pay my tithes. They should turn on the heat. Years ago, before this little section was paved, it was all dirt out there. Just the whole thing was dirt when, when, you know, when I first started coming here in 1985. And... There was a couple in the church at the time, uh, Al Desjardin and his wife, and they were French-Canadian, and he was a man of God and a man of prayer. He was fired up. And does any, Gary, do you remember Al? I don't know if you do. Man, he just, we've got to get these men fired up, he'd always say. And his wife was very proper, and she dressed very nice and had nice shoes and clothes. And one day, they pull into the parking lot, into the mud parking lot after a nice big rainstorm, and she walks through the parking lot through this mud, and she gets to the front door. Pastor Jeff recounted the story, and I remember them. They were a great couple. And she's carrying her shoe with a broken heel. And he's like, uh-oh. And she goes, I broke my heel. My feet are muddy. And I would come here every Sunday like this just to hear the gospel. It's not the answer you're expecting, huh? Like, who? And I'm like, yeah, most people wouldn't do that. If you have to park too far away in the mud, you know, some people are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we go there. She had a great attitude. I'll endure anything to be part of the gospel. So what are some reasons and ways we give up our rights and how can how can claiming a right hinder the gospel we're going to cut, talk a little bit this morning i'm going to look at why we might give up our rights a little bit more like with paul we never never want to be a hindrance to the gospel being preached when, when, when our claim to what's right or what, what I should have, when anything, anything that I do draws attention away from the good news and, and focuses on me, I need to reevaluate that. We should endure things and, and to focus on Christ because the good news is what people need to hear. I, in my prayer, I talked about, you know, that social reform. We don't, just, we don't need a social reform. We need an absolute miracle of God transforming lives in this nation. 
And, and it's real easy to get caught up. In, and, and God is concerned with social justice, yes. But it needs to be more than a social reform. We need a transformation from the Lord. And the gospel has the message of transformation. It's the good news. And we don't want to get in the way and hinder that in any way. We don't want to demand our rights at the expense of, of hindering the gospel. We don't want to become uh, an agent of freedom at the expense of the gospel. Though you might have the freedom, the right to do certain things, the Bible is helping us to understand that maybe we could lay down those rights and, and let the gospel be preached. I've, I've said in our, our leadership meetings, and I've always said this over the years as a, as a leader and a pastor, I says if we're having a service and it's packed and there's visitors that don't know Christ, unless you've got a physical ailment, I expect my leaders to get up and go to the hallway. <laughs> like, yeah, but we pay tithes too. and We're part of the church. Yeah, but if the gospel is being presented and there's not a seat for somebody who's unsaved, let's not be a hindrance to them. It's just a simple thing, right? It's a simple thing. We don't have to take our, our rights. If, if we're having a, a big event and we, we believe that there was a whole bunch of people coming to hear the gospel, let's park in the mud and let them have the, the better parking space. This is a simple thing, right? But, but the thing is, really what I, I, I'm just throwing some silly things out is in this, what might the Lord be talking to you about in your life? In my life, see, I'm responsible for me. Lord, I don't want to be a hindrance to the gospel. I don't want my freedom to hinder anything. So what did Paul do? Man, he said it. He put up with things. It's one of the things, if you're taking notes, one of the things to, to know is how to do this is, is we have to learn to put up with things. We're not always really good at that. Some people are better than others. We learn to put up with things. Paul, he, the Bible, you know, if you read Acts and see everything Paul went through and then read the letters he wrote, he endured a lot. I mean, he was shipwrecked and he was beaten and he was flogged. He endured hardships, the scriptures teach us. He went through them. He, he endured grumbling. Uh, people, people questioned his authority. You know, he was... He said, you know, I'm like a man born out of time because he wasn't part of the original 12, yet he had a vision of Christ and, and he had this message and he was being challenged uh, at times. And he gave up everything to preach the gospel. We know that Paul had such a, a place of authority that he was going to the leaders getting letters and they were giving him letters to go and arrest people. He studied under Gamaliel. He, he was a, 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 a Pharisee of Pharisees and he gave up all of that for Christ. And here, the apostle of apostles is, is defending himself. Aren't I an apostle? Can't I do this? He's, but I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to demand my right. I'm never going to hinder the gospel. Working to support himself even because he believed in this instance, 
Because there were other instances that, that the church supported him. So it's not that he was against that by any means. In fact, he says that the apostles do it, that he didn't tell, call them wrong, that they traveled and got supported. And he also got support. But for some reason, he didn't want to do that at Corinth. Verse 14, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the good news, remember gospel means good news, should get their living by the gospel. 15, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. We get into another section where like it's a little confusing and hard to understand um, it starts talking about him boasting. He says, I've got ground for boasting. And we think, well, isn't boasting wrong? Well, the apostle was inspired by God to write these words down for us. So we need to understand that what he's talking about is not wrong. Now, now in the scriptures, in the Psalms, it, it says, I will boast in the Lord. Let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. The scriptures, there's a number of passages that talk about boasting in him. I will only boast in him. Don't boast in man, but boast in the Lord. So we can boast if it's boasting in the Lord. And, and Paul is talking about saying, I am uh, not going to do anything that will deprive me of my ground for boasting. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. I, I, I read that like, okay, I mean, it's kind of something we could do, though. Like, I went here, and I preached the gospel, and I'm boasting about it. He says, no, I can't even boast about preaching the gospel. He gave up everything to preach the gospel, and he says, I can't boast in that. And here's why it says, is because necessity is laid upon me. Some of your versions have compulsion. I love that word, compulsion. He was compelled to preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He's like, I have to preach. I have to preach the gospel. What are you compelled to do? What am I compelled to do? There are things in life that we're compelled to do. Uh, you know, I, I'm compelled to, to, to take care of my family. I'm compelled to, I'm even compelled to spend time with my kids. I'm compelled to love my wife. There's a lot of things we're compelled to do. And Paul says, I'm compelled to preach the gospel. I feel the same way. I'm like, what else would I do? I need to preach the gospel. And it, and it, and it goes on, and it's kind of interesting. He says, if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. In other words, he's going, I don't even have a will in this. It's not like I was sitting around one day going, what should I do with my life? I think I'm going to preach the gospel. He's like, I didn't even have a choice. It's like I'm compelled to do it. I have to. It's that, that fire, that burning in the bones that says, I just have to do this. So he goes, I don't even get a reward for this. He goes, well, why not? Well, because I'm just being faithful. I'm just doing what I have to do. I'm just a steward. God's given me abilities, and I'm just, just being faithful with it. He goes on, he says, so what then is my reward? And then he goes, that in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge. 
So, so he had this compulsion, like, I have to do this. I, I, just ha I, don't, I don't get rewarded, but he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm not compelled to not charge. I, I've got the right. It's, it's, it's a scriptural thing. I could do this, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to demand that right, and that's how I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to serve even a little bit more. And I get challenged. I will not make full use of my right in the gospel. Verse 18. Not using my right is a privilege. It sounds backwards. It's like, well, I have a right. It's a privilege. I can do that. Actually, Paul's saying not using my right, that's the privilege. I'm not going to do it because I think it might hinder. I don't want to hinder anybody. And, and I don't know about you, but when I think that way, I think, man, there's a lot of things in my life that I, I, I might do to hinder the gospel, and maybe I just don't, don't even care. There's times I'm convicted. I need to just share, and I, I haven't always, I haven't fixed this yet. There's times... I typically drive with a lot of space. I don't ride people's bumpers. I'm one of the guys kind of sits back. But sometimes, coming up the mountain, they're just going a little slow. And, and now, I do drive. I, I, I drive a little fast. I like, to, I like to have fun on those mountain roads, especially when I'm alone. And so, so sometimes, like, okay, he's not getting the hint, so I'll get a little closer. And I know none of you do this, or ever did. Get a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Come on, pull over. Flash the lights. Flash the lights if I'm really. Passing lane's coming. Now, when it comes to a passing lane, I have fun. I, I drop way back. I drop way back before the passing lane, and I time it just right. And I floor it about 150 yards before that passing lane. So... So when that passing lane hits, I'm doing 70 already. And I just blow by them. And on the back of my car, it says, The Journey Church. <laughs> and I go, am I hindering the gospel? I, I, I mean, I thought about that the other day. Because I, I did it just the other day coming up and... And zoom, and like, man, I need to change the bumper sticker or something. And I know it's kind of silly. It's kind of silly, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Um, speeding. I do not drive. I can't, what is it, I can't drive 55? I can't drive 55 on the freeway. I tend to just kind of keep up with traffic. Well, if on some freeways, that's 80. I mean, it really is. And honestly, my, you know, if you're trying to do 55 or 60 on a, and everyone else is doing 80, you're, you could be in danger, honestly. But there are people that I know that will not drive above the speed limit. 
will not. They're Christians, and they go, you can't, and that's fine. The Bible says that that's okay. that is their conviction, right? They, and they will not, and we shouldn't, you know, they're the ones in front of you going, ah. When we do a youth trip, I try to find out which one that is in the group, and I make them lead. You know why? Because if I'm leading, and we're doing traffic, and we're doing 75 on the freeway, and they don't really know for sure, and they don't want to lose the group, you know what I'm causing them to do? Sin. Because they're in the car going, oh, I'm doing 75. I don't want to do 75. I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking the law. For my freedom, I, I, I'm not always convicted about doing 75 on, a, on the freeway. I'm just not. Maybe I should be. You can pray for me. But if I cause somebody else to sin, so I need to give up my rights. That extra 30 minutes that we might save by going a little faster. It's silly, isn't it? But it's not. Especially if we're hindering somebody from hearing the gospel. Okay. As he goes on, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. So one of the things we do is we, we endure all things. We endure all things. We don't demand our rights. Instead, we, we give up our rights and, and knowing that that's a privilege. We go above and beyond. We, we voluntarily serve. That's our reward, not our compulsion. We, we go that extra step above to serve. And then Paul goes on and he says, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being, under, not being myself under the law. He says, I'm not under the law, but if I'm talking to people under the law, I just relate with them. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I become as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but I'm under the law of Christ that I might win those that are outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. He's not talking about living like the world and being sinful and hanging out with sinful people and doing sinful things. He's saying, I'm going to relate with them. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm, this is what I read. I'm going to have lunch with people that are on drugs or homosexuals or gossips, unsaved people. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be judging them and saying I'm better than them. I'm going to try to relate with them. I'm going to try to meet them right where they're at. 
as I bring the gospel, he says, I, I, I'm under the law of Christ. I can't not be under the law of Christ. I am under the law of Christ. But to them, I'm going to try to relate. I'm going to become something to them so that I can win them to truth, the good news. This isn't a license to just live however you want and, and call it, well, I'm just evangelizing. So why, why do you go to the bar and get drunk? Because I'm trying to win my friends to Jesus. Actually, that's hindering them. But could you actually go to the bar with somebody if that's the only place you could meet with them? Yeah. I, now, some people maybe shouldn't, and that's okay. But Paul, he's like, I'm going to relate with them. I'm going I'm to bring the gospel to them, and I'm not just going to demand that they come over to me. He, 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 you know, the, I used to be a Pharisee. I'm not anymore. I'm not going to just tell everybody I'm right and, you know, you're all wrong and, you know, you cigarette-sucking <laughs> sinner. <clears throat> Let's not hinder the gospel. Let's endure whatever we have to endure to preach the gospel. Let's not be a stumbling block to to believers or unbelievers, to sin or to, to miss Christ. Let's go above and beyond. Let's do it out of love. We're, we're, we're still getting to the love chapter. All this really just comes out of love, and it comes down to loving God and loving people more than we love our freedom and ourself. You know, he's given us all these things, including all those rights and freedoms that we have, and we don't deserve any of them. But I want to I use them to serve him. And, and it really meddles. And, and my prayer for us this morning is that each of you and myself will really be in prayer, Lord, is there things that I need to give up, rights that I need to give up, that are, that are hindering somebody from coming to Christ. There are things that you're calling me to do above and beyond. Am I even meeting the compulsion that you've given me? And, and, and I, I think that there might even be some people in here who kind of know what I'm talking about. There's a compulsion, and you're not doing it. You start with that. You don't, don't deny the things that Christ is, is calling you to do. I don't like to, I, I, I do get specific sometimes. I don't always like it. I, I, this isn't specific, but I'm going to give an example. I really feel like I'm supposed to lead this new ministry. But the only time we can do it is at nighttime, and I really like my nights. Maybe the Lord is calling you to say, you need to give up that night for the sake of the gospel. Told you, we had to buckle our seatbelts. And, and listen, this isn't about guilt. This needs to be about conviction and see what the Lord wants to do inside of you. Because if you only do these things out of legalism, then you've actually gone right back into bondage. 
So if you change and you do something like, oh man, I, I was messaged and I just, and you feel this, this legalistic thing, you got, I just have to do this over here. You've kind of walked back into under bondage. Find that place with the Lord and be obedient and say, I, I want to be like Paul. Because he, he's like, man, I, I, I do this and I go above and beyond. I think he had a joy even as Christ did, for the joy set before Him endured the cross. Amen? I loved that, that quote from Warren Wearsby. I'm going to say it one more time. Because we're all free in Christ, right? I don't have the right to give up my freedom, but I have the freedom to give up my rights. Let's pray. Father, this morning, my prayer is, is truly is that each person would hear from you and respond to you. They wouldn't respond to me or to any neighbors or, or to a spouse. But each of us would stand before you and would respond to you. Lord, show us if there's something that this applies to, an area, a thing, an attitude. Lord, we take away condemnation, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we submit to the Holy Spirit in our life. So show us. Bless us today, Father. The world is in need of a true gospel presentation the good news that only Jesus brings, that all the things that people are looking to does not. So help us to present the gospel well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did we have communion? We have communion. <laughs> hey, uh, well, this, we're going we're gonna to pass out the elements. We don't want to miss on this. As often as you get together, do it in remembrance of Him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I apologize. It doesn't feel like it should be the first Sunday of February yet. You know, communion is a is a wonderful time for us believers. Thank you so much, Steve, because it's a reminder what Christ did. We do not teach that this matzah bread, that it turns into the actual body of Christ. There, there is some teachings that way. And um, this is a symbol. Everything you're getting in front of you, it's a symbol. And, and hold on to these. We'll, we'll take them together in a minute. It's, it's, it's a symbol and reminder to us of what Christ did. Some churches do it every Sunday. I know people who do it every day in their home. Um, Saddleback Church, they may change now. Pastor Rick Warren's not the pastor there anymore. They don't do this in church. If you've ever been to Saddleback, you maybe not, not noticed, maybe you haven't gone there enough. They don't do communion in church. And the reason he doesn't, he says, well, we have so many people that aren't Christians. He says, communion is for Christians. Because it's a reminder what Christ did for me, and you really don't know that if you're not a believer. He says, we only do communion in our small groups. Well, that makes sense. You get a lot of visitors. Because communion is a very special, important time for us as, as believers to remember 
to think about what Jesus did for us. The bread represents his body, and we know we're coming up. I don't even want to say this, but Easter is not that far around the corner. Passion Week. And, and, and I still think that the best movie to depict what Jesus went through us is The Passion of the Christ. He let his body get absolutely ravished, beaten for us. And, and his, this represents his body that should remind us that he did that for me. He, he willingly went through everything at the cross so that my sins would be forgiven. I would have new life. I'd have healing and the hope of eternity. So these are reminders. And the, and the, the, the wine, and this isn't wine. This is just grape juice in case someone freak, freaks out. It's, it's just, you know, every once in a while I think it's cran grape and it throws me off a little bit. Uh, in our, my former church one Sunday, they, they forgot to buy the grape juice and they used beet juice. <laughs> And didn't tell anybody. <laughs> All these people says, the blood of Christ. <laughs> it's grape or cran grape. But it's a symbol. It's a symbol of, of the blood of Jesus. Now, you know, that doesn't make us cannibals. Some people go like, whoa, that's, I mean, it's kind of weird when a person who's never been in church goes, body, blood, you're eating and drinking, this is weird. It's a symbol. By taking it, what you're saying is, I'm receiving everything that you did for me. This is what it's about. I'm receiving. When hunters appear, I've, I've never done this. Henry could explain if they still do this. When a hunter kills his first deer, at least they used to do this, there was a thing that they'd have to take a bite of an organ, a heart or something. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Okay. Part of that was, I think, or maybe even came from Native America. Listen, you, you did this, you did this, you're partaking of it. Kind of gross and heavy. Church, you did this. Jesus died for you and me. The body and the blood that Jesus was beaten and bruised and bloodied was because of you. Talk about heavy. So we don't do this lightly. We think, God, you did this for me. By taking it, I'm receiving and owning up to my part and receiving your sacrifice. Is that good? It's very good. So that's what we're going to do right now. God, as we've done a couple times in this church and held that nail and repeated back, I crucified the Lord. My sin was enough to send you to the cross and your love for me was enough to go there just for me. Forgive me of my sin and I thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you that you endured the cross allowing your body to be beaten for me. Thank you for new life, for hope, and eternal life where all of my ailments will be healed one day if you choose not to heal me on this side. Thank you for the body of Christ. Bless this bread. In the same way as 
Jesus took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant. We thank you for the new covenant. That we don't have to obey all these laws, try to be good enough. But Christ, you, your righteousness is what you're giving to us. Thank you that you died so we don't have to. And your blood is the proof. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for this juice in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you that we can do this. Bless this group of people and those online. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Grape juice, not beet juice. <laughs>